this isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did Caesar live here? Um, no. I don't think so. I went to Vegas last weekend. Pretty crazy. Vegas, baby, Vegas! Gentlemen, welcome to Las Vegas. Why don't you give me half the money you were gonna bet? Then we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day. Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 40 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. I'm Jeff, and I'll be your host for this podcast adventure to my favorite place on the planet, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Before we get rolling for this episode of the show, I want to thank my guest from the previous episode, Sergio Portizan of VivaLasValue.com. After having a few requests to put together a Vegas for Low Rollers episode, I managed to track down Sergio for a chat to get his take on how to get the most bang for your buck in Las Vegas. From hotels to restaurants to drinking to gambling, we covered a lot of material. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, head to wherever you get your podcasts and take a listen to episode number 40 in the archives or jump on the website at jeffdoesvegas.com and listen there. I also want to thank everyone who's taken the time to fill out the audience survey. I'm looking for your feedback on the podcast, good, bad, or indifferent. So make sure you head to the website and click on the audience survey link so that you can tell me what you think of the show. All right, let's get things underway. One of the things Las Vegas is perhaps most famous for are the bright neon lights of the Las Vegas Strip. But as resorts shut down, are imploded, and replaced with new properties, or technology advances and the neon is replaced with massive high-def LED video screens, what happens to those iconic neon signs? This episode of the podcast aims to answer that question. My guest this time around is Amanda Riley, the digital media manager for the Neon Museum Las Vegas. Amanda was kind enough to join me on this episode of the podcast to talk about the history of the Neon Museum and to share the mission and vision for the museum. We talked about some of the unique and interesting signs the museum has in their collection, plans for expansion that will allow them to show off even more of their amazing artifacts, and a very special exhibit involving a major Hollywood director. Please enjoy my conversation with Amanda Riley of the Neon Museum, Las Vegas. So Amanda, first off, I just want to say thank you for uh, for taking the time with me today to sit down and chat. I know you guys have uh, you're busy, busy people at the Neon Museum, and you got lots of stuff going on. So I appreciate you you taking the time to sit down and chat today. Yeah, I appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. It's fun. So let's get things started here by talking about the the history of the Neon Museum. I mean, Las Vegas. When people think of Las Vegas, obviously. They think of the bright lights, big city, flashy neon signs. The the Neon Museum, you guys have been around uh, for, for a while, correct? Uh, yeah. As a nonprofit organization, uh, we've been around since 1996. And and so what was sort of the idea or the, the mission or the vision behind the, the creation of the Neon Museum? The idea behind the Neon Museum um, was to protect and save these signs that, um, you know, locals were seeing more and more of them uh, being destroyed over time. 
And, um, you know, it was heartbreak after heartbreak. So they, they got together and they said, Let, let's do something. Um, you know, one person isn't enough. So we have to band together uh, to start saving these signs and um, figure out a way to um, preserve them and exhibit them so that so future generations can uh, learn more about the city and um, appreciate these signs as an art form. Because, I mean, you're, you're right, like as, you know, Las Vegas has grown and evolved and as technology has evolved, those neon signs really have started to go away. They're getting replaced. I mean, I've seen it on the strip with, you know, places like Harrah's and stuff where they've replaced these beautiful, amazing neon signs with, you know, LED walls and LCD screens. Yeah. And 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 in their own right, they're incredible. You know, we recently... Um, the Neon Museum staff, we took um, a very detailed tour of Yesco and we got to talk to Mark Otis and we're learning about, um, you know, about Yesco's history. And we learned about some of the newer LED signs and, and, um, you know, screen walls. um, And, and they are absolutely incredible, but we consider, and, you know, the people who founded the Neon Museum in the nineties consider um, Neon to be, Las Vegas' native art form. So, um, you know, we the museum wants to preserve and celebrate that and, um, and you know, encourage more neon to um, to be created and celebrated uh, because it's, it's just, it's so incredible. It's so unique. And it's interesting that neon fabrication really hasn't changed since its creation. It's been, you know, a hundred plus years since uh, neon first came on the scene and it's basically created the same way it was from the beginning. And there's something very cool about that. I love the way you describe that at neon as Las Vegas's native art form. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty, that's, that's what we believe. And that's what we like to share with everyone. Do you guys have that on a t-shirt yet? Because if you don't, you should. Uh, working on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about the collection. I mean, you guys have got a, a a massive collection of of neon signs that you've you've managed to gather from you know all over Las Vegas. How big is the collection? How many signs do you guys have uh, on display? Yeah, the Neon Museum has more than two hundred and fifty signs in its collection, and I will say, while you know a, a lot of the signs are neon, and we're the Neon Museum, and uh, you know we celebrate it, there's also a great deal of signs in the collection that aren't neon, but they're ex- we consider them extremely important to uh, to exhibit and to share. So, you know, so in saying that there's more than 250 signs in the collection, I'm not saying that that, that those are all neon, but that is, uh, that's still, it's a great, it's a, it's a pretty big collection of signs that we have. And I guess, you know, in my experience with visiting museums and various types of museums that I've been to, um, I, I always find it interesting too, how much stuff do you guys have sort of in storage, waiting to be restored, waiting to be, to be put out on display. Cause I know like I've found, as I say, different museums I visited, there's, you know, what you're seeing usually on display is often just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, you're right. Um, the, well, the museum also has um, like a casino ephemera collection and um, you know, that's not currently on display. Um, but there are, there are signs in storage. You're correct about that. Um, there's an area 
um, on campus that isn't currently available for tours and it's not curated at the moment. It's called the Boulevard Gallery. Um, and you, you can see it while you're there, but you just can't go through the collection. There's a lot of signs over there. We also have signs in our NE10 studio. And that's a space that we have that's off, it's off site uh, from the museum. Um, there's, a, there's a bunch of signs in there and we do educational programming and we have some events. Um, like for instance, our artist in residence program. Uh, just recently we had uh, Julie Henson and she was working at NE10 studio. And so if, if you go, you know, if, if anyone uh, was to attend her open studio event, they would have seen a lot of signs stored there. What's the, uh, the oldest sign that you guys have in your collection? The oldest sign is uh, the Green Shack. We believe the sign, so we're not certain exactly when the sign was fabricated. Uh, so we're guessing it's between 1933 and 1939. Um, because it advertises cocktails. It's, it's, it says cocktails, steak, and chicken. So prohibition, it wasn't repealed until the end of 1933. So that's why we think it was between 33 and 39. What would you say is the most unique sign that you guys have managed to get your hands on? The most unique sign? Um, that's a good question. You know, the, um, the ugly duckling is it's a it's not only a very popular sign but it's also very interesting and unique because of um, the amount of neon and the channeling it it, it, it is actually it's very complicated uh fabrication process so that that might be one of the more complicated pieces um in addition to that i'd say the hard rock guitar just because of the the sheer scale of it um oh and also um the yucca at the very top of the yucca uh, motel sign. It's very, uh, you know, it, it's neon glass that was twisted and, and fabricated to replicate a yucca plant. Very complicated, very, um, very detailed work. So I would actually go with the yucca motel. Very cool. Now you mentioned you mentioned the uh, the Hard Rock Hotel guitar, mm -hmm. and that is a relatively recent addition to your guys' collection. Yes, yeah, we just had the um, the light up party earlier this year, two thousand nineteen, and uh, yeah, that was really incredible. We launched um, a huge uh, crowdfunding campaign to um, to get the sign restored and. Um, you know, it, it needed a lot of work and it's a, it was a huge undertaking because that guitar is over 80 feet tall. So uh, that was a very, very exciting acquisition. It was so exciting to, um, to, to have it restored and installed in the boneyard. Now talking about something like this, you know, and this being a relatively new addition, I guess it's sort of at the forefront of my brain. I mean, what's the process of, of acquiring a sign like this? Like how long did you guys have your, your, your eyes on, you know, when you guys sort of heard that there were changes coming to the hard rock, does somebody go, Oh, Hey, let's start making some calls. Let's, let's start sorting this out. Well, you know, a, a lot of the signs and I'd venture to say most of the signs are actually, um, that you see on, you know, Las Vegas strip properties. Um, a lot of the signs are actually owned by the sign company that created it. So the hard rock guitar, you know, it was owned by Yesco. Hard Rock was leasing it, like 
like many, many other properties do. And when Yesco was notified, hey, Hard Rock Cafe is closing, what do you want to do with the sign? They came to us and said, hey, you know what? We, we're going to have this guitar. We think that it should be preserved. Let's talk. So that's how that happened. I had no idea that was a thing. So they, Yesco would can, would create these signs, design it and say, you can have it, but we own it forever. You're just going to lease it from us. Yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty much standard practice. Really? I had no mm-hmm. idea that was a thing. I, I'm, yeah. lear- I'm learning stuff today. <laughs> yeah, it's really, I know it's really interesting. And no, you know, people aren't going to know that. No one really knows. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it's just something, something interesting to learn when you're sort of in that industry. So you guys must have a, a very, very tight relationship with Yesco then. Yeah, we have, um, thankfully, we have uh, great working relationships with uh, most of the signed companies in town. So, um, you know, it, 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 they donated it to us, but, it, you know, it, it isn't free to have things restored. It isn't free to have um, signs transported. So, um, you know, obviously, we, like I said, we, we did the crowdfunding to, um, to have it restored and um that money also included transportation so business owners when they when they decide that they want to um donate their signs to or you know either the sign company or the business owners themselves they decide hey you know what i i want the sign to go to the neon museum uh there are some costs associated with that so um whether it's the, the business owner or it's a sign company themselves it's a it's a huge um it's a it's a big decision to to make that donation because there are some some costs, but it's a it's a fantastic uh, thing to do because they're being uh, memorialized through that act. And I would imagine the transportation of something like, for example, the Hard Rock Hotel guitar is not exactly an easy undertaking. I mean, you've got there's there's cranes and trucks and traffic rerouting involved oh it was incredible um yeah the the guitar it took uh, about a week to transport the guitar to the museum from yesco um it took uh, uh, lots of trips (laughs) different pieces of the guitar traveling down las vegas boulevard it was quite a thing to see that's incredible. And now, are there any signs on the strip or on Fremont that you guys are kind of like, you've already put the bug in, in the sign company's ears and gone, hey, we'd really like to have da-da-da in the collection should this ever be changed out? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you know, that that will happen. Um, the We have a collections committee and, um, you know, they'll start they'll start talking either, either they'll, you know, will already be contacted and start, you know, get the ball rolling that way. Or, you know, there's, you know, murmurs of, of something closing or the, you know, the sign might go away. So a conversation will, will begin uh, that way. And um, I, I think that there's, um, there's a few signs that, that they're considering right now. If you had your own personal wish list, what would you, which one would you like to see in the, uh, in the boneyard? Hmm. What I would say I'm I'm really excited about seeing is the holiday uh, the holiday motel sign. Uh, fortunately, that was donated to the museum. It's currently being stored, mm-hmm. and um, I believe it's going to be installed after the Tim Burton exhibit finishes uh, next year. Mm-hmm. I am very very excited that that's coming to the museum and that's going to be on display because that's a really fun, incredible sign. Very cool. Let's talk about the Boneyard, because this is really 
this is kind of the the centerpiece of the Neon Museum collection, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, it is. Yeah, we we uh, we basically we refer to the entire collection as the Neon Boneyard. Um, but in, you know, in order to be specific about the different, um, gallery spaces that we have, um, we say that the large boneyard, um, where most of the signs are on display, we call that the main collection. And then there's a smaller collection called the North Gallery. Mm-hmm. And the North Gallery plays host to Brilliant, which is a light projection show that was created by Craig Winslow. So, um, so we basically, we call the entire collection, the neon boneyard and the term boneyard, uh, it refers to an area where items are no longer used. They're, they're stored, um, either being prepared for disposal or they're going to be repurposed. And that term pretty much came from, um, the Yesco sign boneyard, um, where a lot of the, a lot of the pieces that are, now in the Neon Museum collection came from the old Yesco Boneyard. And so, I mean, this is, I, I mean, I, I was telling you before we started, we started recording here today, I feel like a terrible Las Vegas visitor because everybody has said to me, you need to go to the Neon Museum. And I always just kind of go, yeah, yeah, I know I need to go. And I mean, I'm in Vegas six, seven times a year. Um, so it's, it's on my list and I'm thinking I've got a trip planned here in December with my wife. I'm thinking it's going to be one of our, one of our trips there. It's, it's definitely on our, our itinerary for that trip. Um, but just kind of describe for me the experience for somebody that, you know, is, is thinking they're going to come. What are they going to see when they go into, into the neon boneyard? Well, I will say, um, you know, you're not a terrible Las Vegas visitor for not having visited yet. Um, to be fair, the museum is is now easier to visit than it ever was because um, just in the last year, unless, you know, time goes so fast and when you're so busy, I, I you tend to lose track of when things happen. So maybe it was a year ago, maybe it was two years ago, but we started offering general admission during the day. Okay. Whereas um, the museum used to only be open for guided tours at night, which I think limited our, our you know, vis- our visitors. So, um, so now it's so much easier for you to come because we offer general admission. Um, but yeah, so basically we're open pretty much early in the morning, like 9 a.m. It, it varies seasonally, but um, open in the morning for general admission until a certain point in the evening. And then we start offering guided tours. So if you came during the day for general admission, you could visit the the main collection of the Neon Boneyard at your own pace. Um, There is a web-based app. So um, you just log on to that and then you can learn um, the history behind, I believe it's about 22 signs, Mm -hmm. um, either, you know, through the audio on the app or you can just read about it. Um, Yeah, and you can walk the space and you're basically... I like to think of it as just you're immersed in Las Vegas history and there's these different eras all blended together because of the way that it's curated. Mm -hmm. Um, But you start out in downtown Las Vegas. So you learn about the history of Las Vegas, Las Vegas being founded. And then you move throughout the space and then you go to like motel row and there's all these different old motel signs and you can learn about, you know, the emergence of the American road trip and how people were starting to get in their car and travel around and, you know, they'd make it to Vegas and need to stay in a motel. So all these motels were competing with each other 
through their signs trying to get people to stay there. And then, uh, you know, and then you, then you find your way over to this massive stardust sign and you learn about, you know, the space race and atomic testing and all this crazy stuff that was happening. Um, it's really incredible. And I'd say most people are surprised at how much they learned and cause they didn't, they didn't expect to learn so much. They didn't expect to be so interested by the time that they, they finished, they just thought, Oh, it's going to be a really lovely thing to see. And it turns out they're even more thirsty for, uh, Las Vegas history. It's so fun. And it's interesting that you mentioned, you talk about Las Vegas history, and this is something that, you know, I mean, my friends are always surprised by when I start telling stories about places I've gone and things I've seen. I mean, I've been to the mob museum and I've been to the atomic testing museum and, you know, learning about the history of Las Vegas. And, and of course, you know, I've read books and tons of stuff online. I think people are are surprised by how much of a quote unquote history Las Vegas actually has. Oh yeah, it's it's very surprising, and and again, that's that's part of why the Neon Museum was established was to start preserving uh, this city's history because you know it has a tendency. This city has a tendency to implode and change and adapt, um, but you know we don't want to we don't want to lose this rich history that we that we have. So it, it's just it's so cool that through these signs you can learn so much about what was going on, not only in Las Vegas, but also in America at the time. Brilliant. It's, I mean, again, I haven't seen it, I've read about it. I've, I've heard stories about it. Brilliant. Sounds like an absolutely amazing attraction slash display that you guys have set up. This is kind of, it's, it's a way for you guys to light the signs without lighting them. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, it's in the North Gallery, as I said, and um, all of the signs in the North Gallery are not working. They're 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 in some level of disrepair. There's a, there's broken neon, broken bulbs. Nothing's nothing's turned on. Nothing's plugged in. Nothing's working. Um, so uh, what Brilliant does is through projection mapping, it it illuminates and reelectrifies these unrestored, non-working, and in some cases broken signs. And um, it's a 360-degree audio-visual experience. So you'll be looking in one direction at a sign that, you know, is re reanimated, essentially. And you can hear music. And then the music starts to fade out. And then you start hearing something else happening in a different area. And then you look over and you say, what's that? Oh, and then it's <laughs> a new sign has, has reanimated and then a, a new song starts to emerge. And it, it's just really incredible. And this, the staff, when we finally got to see the finished product, so many of us actually started crying. We were moved to tears because it was so cool to see these signs working again. And you get this, this sense of, um, you know, what, what it was like to see these signs when they were, um, you know, out, out in, in the world working. And, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's just really, really incredible. There's eight projectors and there's 24 3d sound speakers. Um, it's, it's really a beautiful, beautiful show and it's very artfully done. And I would imagine it's the kind of thing that you could go to, time after time after time after time and you would ex almost you'd experience it differently every time i think so i've seen it several times and um 
there's there there were things each time I've seen it, I've noticed something new that I didn't notice the last time. Um, and in addition to that, um, we've we've changed it a, a couple of times um, since its launch. So there is some new material as well. And that's the cool thing about about the technology is that you can make adjustments and you can you can provide a new show, um, you know, as long as it's around. That's so cool. I'm I'm really looking forward to 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 coming and seeing this. Of course, that would lead to I guess to the question of what do you think is the best time of the day to go to the Neon Museum? Are you a day are you a day fan? Are you a night fan? Are you telling people, hey, you should do one of each so you get two different experiences? <laughs> uh, I, I do. I do say you should <laughs> come both day and night. Um, pretty clever marketing trick, but uh, no, it, <laughs> but it, it really is true. Brilliant, brilliant is a night show only because it's light projection, so you can only see it at night. Um, but as far as the main collection is concerned, it, it really is two different experiences. We do have a lot of the the working signs turned on during the day, so you can see them working. Of course, it's different at night. What I like about daytime is you can appreciate the curation choices, I think, a little bit more during the day because at night you're so wowed by by the neon signs and the spotlights that are throughout the collection. Um, you can see the rust, the decay, um, like I said, where, where signs were placed um, during the day very, very well. <clears throat> but at night, it's like pure magic. Uh, you're in a different place. You're in a different time. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, it is very distinct at night. So I think for the wow factor, for a first time visitor, I think I always suggest just go at night. Um, but if, if you can come back another time during the day, it's, it's so worth it. And your visitor center is a is a sweet little piece of of Las Vegas history that has a nice little story behind it as well. Yes, it is. Uh, that's the La Concha Visitor Center. It is the lobby of the old La, uh, La Concha Motel. It was designed by Paul Revere Williams, who was um, a you know a very well known architect of his time, um, a mid you know mid century modern design. Um, and uh, yeah, we were so blessed to have the, that, that building donated to us. Um, it was saved from demolition in 2005 and then it was transported to the museum in 2006 and it had to be basically had to be broken down into eight different pieces, transported to the Neon Museum site and put back together. And it's just gorgeous. I mean, it's La Concha, which is the shell. So it's this beautiful mid-century shell-shaped building that is uh, extremely distinct. That's very cool. I've seen photos of it and it just looks absolutely gorgeous. It's really, it's really, really cool. And you guys have a, a an exhibit that uh, is just open now. It's one of these limited run engagement type of exhibits, so people need to go and see it now. Um, let's talk about Lost Vegas, Tim Burton at the Neon Museum. How did this all kind of come together? Uh, yeah, th- this was uh, this was very, very exciting. Um, it was the fall of 2018. Um, Tim Burton pretty much just approached us about partnering on an exhibition. So he, you know, we said, great, let's, let's meet, let's talk. So he came, he came down and uh, took a tour and he absolutely loved it. Um, 
he has a lot of experience visiting Las Vegas. Um, he used to come to Vegas as a kid. He, him and his family lived in Burbank. So he would come to Vegas and, um, you know, see all these signs um, when they were up, just like just like any other, you know, kid uh, <laughs> did who was uh, his age. They came to Vegas. They saw all these amazing signs. So um, and he also when I, when he filmed Mars Attacks, um, maybe seen it. There's um, there's some scenes in the Yesco Boneyard. And a lot of those signs that you see in the movie are part of the Neon Museum collection now. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool for him to go from the Yesco Boneyard filming Mars Attacks to the Neon Museum, where it's this curated collection and it's reminiscent of the Yesco Boneyard, but it's a little more put together and, and um, deliberate. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he, he wanted to, uh, collaborate on an exhibition. So we've been working on that for about a year and it opened, um, October 15th mm -hmm. and it will run through February 15th, 2020. And it's, it's just, it's taking over the entire neon museum. Um, we don't have any indoor exhibition spaces at this time, so his artwork is integrated with the sign collection. And I'd say between 80 and 90% of the, the pieces are spe were specifically crafted for this exhibit, um, which is incredible. I was just going to ask, so, I mean, what type of, of uh, things are, you know, artwork or items are, are we, are we seeing in this exhibit? Is it movie related stuff? Is there anything related to any of his films or is it all, you know, current, current artwork of his? It's both. There, there are some pieces. Um, it's mostly sculptural. There will be, um, there will be other pieces. There's going to be um, a digital component incorporated with Brilliant, which is very exciting. Um, and there's a lot of large scale sculptures and there are some signs. Um, and so, some of the pieces are from his movies and a lot of the pieces are just his original art. Very cool. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing that. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about expansion plans for the Neon Museum as well. You guys announced, this was a few months ago now, that you guys are going to be, you're, you're, it's kind of a here we grow again situation. You guys are, are expanding and, and taking up a little more space and, and spreading out a little bit more. That's correct. Yeah. Um, we acquired the Reed Whipple Cultural Center, which is across the street from the Neon Museum. And, um, you know, the, the building, it's, it's, it's pretty old. It hasn't been used in a long time. So it's, it's needing a lot of work. Um, so we're getting that all squared away. And that will, um, uh, that will be a space for uh, the administrative staff to have offices because the administrative staff uh, currently works off site from the museum. So we'll be, we'll return to the museum and be a little bit closer than we are now. And um, we're going to have some indoor exhibition space as well, which is um, uh, just very, very exciting. It's actually more exciting than having the admin staff on site. <laughs> we can finally have some beautiful indoor um, exhibition space because we do have indoor signs um, uh, in storage right now. There's, there's, there's lots of signs that we, we can't even display in the boneyard if we wanted to, because they need to be in a climate controlled environment. So we'll be able to, to do that and have more programming. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be incredible. I actually just saw um, the, the, the plans, the blueprints not too long ago. And I got, 
even more excited than I than I was when we announced that <laughs> that we that we acquired the building. So um, yeah, here we grow again. We're expanding that footprint, and uh, we'll be able to offer even more to the public. Thankfully, is that a, a 2020, 2021, somewhere in there? Um, yeah, we're saying uh, at some point, twenty twenty. Um, ideally, you know, you never know how these things go when it comes to construction and whatnot, you know, things always take a while. So we're, we're definitely not thinking we're going to be moved in, um, you know, in a year from now, but you know, yeah, stranger things have happened. You know, one time, one time Tim Burton came to the museum and said he wanted to, uh, collaborate on an exhibit. So there you go. (laughs) Um, you mentioned, we talked a little bit earlier about the types of tours. So we can do, you can go in, you can come during the day, you can sort of show yourself around, do the self-guided tour. Let's talk about the guided tours that go through at the, those are done in the evening, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when guests visit the, the Neon Museum at night, um, and they, they can take a guided tour. So it's a, it's a group tour, usually limited to about 20 people so that it's really intimate. And there's a, um, a guide who takes the group through the boneyard and highlights different signs, gives, um, the background on the, the, the design, the, the creation of it, what was going on in the city, in the country at that time. Um, it's really incredible. And, that's another one of those things too. Like I said, when people are surprised that they, um, that, that they learned so much, they're, ex- they're surprised that they were excited by what they learned. It's the same thing with a guided tour. Cause when you say guided tour to someone guided tour at a museum, it's like, ugh, snooze. Yeah. But the guided tours at the Neon Museum are not like that. They are fun. There's, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's neon too, right? So you're just immersed in this neon, um, fantasy world. And you have this really charismatic, cool person who's giving you the history of Las Vegas and the history of these signs. Um, it's it's really, really fun. I always suggest people take the guided tour. I'm like, just trust me, take the guided tour. You're not going to regret it. You're going to love it. People able to take photos on the tours? Uh, yes. So um, we don't allow cameras, um, but, but guests can take photos with their cell phone or their tablet. Gotcha. Um, the, the museum does offer what's called a photo walk. Um, we're not offering it right now during the Tim Burton exhibit, but once that's over, we'll, we'll resume photo walks and we offer those several times a month. So if you're interested in visiting the Neon Museum, but you don't want to tour, you don't want to do any of that. You just are really interested in capturing, um, capturing the sign collection through your photography. Um, as long as it's for personal use, you can hop on a photo tour and you have basically an hour, sometimes 90 minutes to just wander at your leisure and photograph the sign collection. It's so cool. Otherwise, if I want to go through and, and take duck face selfies and tweet them out to my my tens of followers, that's not a problem for me to do. Those. Yes. No, not a problem. No, not a problem at all. Take all your, your duck face selfies. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm an influencer, Amanda. There's like 11 people that follow me on, on Twitter. I mean, you know. Highly, highly influential. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. No, that's really good. Yeah. Is, is, if you use your cell phone or your tablet, that's totally fine. And of course, it being, I'm assuming that it's a, a, um, a limited number of people for each tour, booking ahead is obviously an important thing to do. Yeah, it is. Um, general admission during the day, um, it, it's a, you, can, you can just walk up 
and, and usually, um, and you can get right in. But with the guided tours, because there's limited availability, we suggest people book online in advance. And the tickets are released um, a month in advance. So, for example, if you wanted to come in um, July, you should book your tickets early June. That's when they'll be released. Ah, oh, gotcha. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, that's, I'm looking going, oh, crap, I better book my December trip soon then. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep, it's time. It's time to book. Definitely. Definitely. And if people want to uh, want to make those bookings, they want to get a little bit more information about the Neon Museum. You guys are online. You're on social media. You're everywhere. Yeah. The, the website is neonmuseum.org. That's where you can book your tickets. You can learn more about the museum. There's also, um, there's a blog. So you can learn even more about the signs in the collection or just Las Vegas in general from the blog. Um, we are on social media. We're on Facebook as the Neon Museum. Twitter is at Neon Museum. And Instagram, which is my personal favorite, that's at the Neon Museum Las Vegas. Perfect. Well, Amanda, thank you again for, for taking the time to, to chat and, and, uh, and talk about the Neon Museum. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to, to coming down and checking it out when I'm there in December. And, uh, I've, I've learned things that I didn't know, which is always a good thing to do. And, uh, and I hope my, uh, my listeners will, will come down and check it out as well. Yeah. Thank you. I hope so too. And if you do stop by, make sure you let me know so I can come say hi. Absolutely. Thanks again, Amanda. Thank you. Once again, for tickets and information on the Neon Museum, visit them online at neonmuseum.org or follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Neon Museum and on Instagram at the Neon Museum Las Vegas. And that brings to a close another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or you're after suggestions on where to stay, where to eat, what to see, or what to do on your next Las Vegas vacation, or you've got ideas for topics that you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas, or drop me an email directly at Jeff at WalkerNewMedia.com. As for my next Las Vegas trip, the countdown is on. I'm flying into Vegas in less than a week, where my wife and I will be picking up a rental car to drive out to the Grand Canyon and spend some time there. We'll be trekking down to Phoenix for a few days, and then we'll be back up to Vegas in time to watch my two favorite NHL teams in action on November 2nd, as the Winnipeg Jets take on the Vegas Golden Knights at T-Mobile Arena. After that, I've got my eye on a late November trip, followed by my annual birthday trip in December. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. Make sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 40 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast, a Walker New Media production. (music) 